0: All right, welcome. Uh, almost a yearly tradition at this point. This is the third year, maybe, that we've done this, or third or fourth year. Uh, but it's pretty much NHL draft week. It is Sunday. So I guess that would count technically. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people will count that. I'll count it. Uh, but the NHL draft is here. The NHL offseason is here. And to join me to discuss that is uh, Matthew Zator of thehockeywriters.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Zator SC, uh, Canucks writer. Plenty of other things that you do there, uh, Matthew. How you doing?
1: Doing good. Uh, like I said the draft is days away here now, and that's always an exciting thing. And then right after that, we got free agency, so uh, lots of excitement. There seems to be a few trades that are well, have already happened and in the works, so some excitement maybe coming up and some chaos, which we all love. So,
0: yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. I think the the premier part of this offseason – uh, free agency is always fun. I don't think it's going to be quite as fun this year. I think there are some interesting names that could be in the mix in free agency. Uh, but outside of that, I think the big premier part of this offseason will be both the draft and the potential trade. So we'll get into the drafter momentarily. I do guess that – I guess it would be the right thing for me to say uh, congrats to Vegas on winning the Stanley Cup, uh, which they did do that. They beat Florida in uh, – what was that, five games, I guess it was? Yeah, um, yeah pretty – pretty lopsided uh series there no surprise florida was a great felt like a team of destiny type team uh it seemed like they certainly ran out of gas towards the end uh but i think the biggest story out of the playoffs is that the leafs did get out of the first round i I feel like that's always a big talking point overall in hockey but i remember we covered it a lot before the playoffs saying this might be the year i had them going to the cup final that didn't quite pan out um i think one thing that i did get right I might not have gotten this right there. I don't remember. I don't know if I had Dallas Vegas Western Conference final, because that would be correct. But I might have had Dallas Edmonton. I don't know. But either way, <laughs> playoffs are over. And uh, you know, now we move on to the offseason. And let's uh let's start in the draft. Uh there's been a lot that's been made of this class, what it is. Obviously, you have the generational type guy at the top, uh, which is Connor Bedard. And there's really nothing that much to discuss with him, just because I think we all know. This guy's going to be the real deal. And, it, it, you know, from my perspective, it's a bit of a shame that he is going to Chicago. Um, Yeah. You know, I think it's good for the league, though, in the terms of Chicago's an original six team. They're one of the more popular teams in America. Uh, Even though I do think Bedard going to a Canadian team would have been very good as well. Maybe, you know, Toronto would be the one there, but that wasn't going to happen. Um, Unless they really want to get crazy, which which is not possible. Uh, But let's start. At the top of the draft, and uh, I think a lot of people th- are on the same page in terms of what the top three could be uh, with Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus. Then you also have San Jose at four, which I think there's been a little bit of speculation of whether they possibly move that. They didn't move back in the draft last year, and uh, Montreal five. Montreal had the number one pick last year, took Slavkoski. Uh, We had a little bit of uh, drama in the top three last year. I don't think that's going to be the case this year, uh, but who do you think goes after Bedard at number one in the top five?
1: Well, I mean, like you said, the top three seem to be pretty much solid. So you got Bedard and then you got Adam Fantilli going to the Ducks and Leo Carlson going to Columbus. And then after that, it kind of, who knows? I mean, sounds like could take Matthew Miechkov at four, Uh, go Will Smith. I'm of the belief, I think they're – they're probably going to go with Will Smith. So I'm going to go San Jose going with Will Smith at four. And then uh, five is where Montreal comes in. So, I mean, again, they could they could take a swing at Michkov, uh, which has been talk about that. Uh, and then they could then go off and just grab a defense, and they could go with David Reinbach, or they could go with him. For me, I I think they take the swing and grab Michkov. I I really think that they they could be doing that. I mean, they don't really need him right now. They've got some pretty good prospects in the pipeline. They also got you know, you know, this draft they have another pick. They could they could you know right at the end of the draft. But even even so, they're going to get a pretty good player uh, down at the end of the first round. And so I'm going to go Michkov, uh going to the Montreal Canadiens at five. So there's your top five. I mean, who knows? Like I say, I think that Montreal pick is going to be the one that kind of swings everything, Um, especially if San Jose doesn't uh, draft Meechkov.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the more interesting parts of the early stages of this draft will be whether Meechkov falls or not. I think that I've always kind of felt that he was going to fall. Maybe I was trying to will it into it being at number 10, but that probably won't happen. Uh, but I think that's, there's always that guy that like, there's always that prospect that, that falls in the top 10. And obviously last year we had it, I mean, Shane Wright did fall quite a bit. It wasn't that far, but it was a guy who was like, okay, this guy's definitely gonna be number one into, I guess he's not gonna be number one. And I think if you look at last year's draft, you also had some risers in there that kind of made that happen. I don't know who those, I, Will Smith has been, has been going up for quite some time. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of mock drafts that you see that'll have a defenseman going in the top five, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Montreal would be the only one where I'd be like, maybe, I mean, you never really know. There are some teams in this top 10 that have really, you know, confused or taken people by surprise with their picks. Detroit obviously being one of those with Steve Iserman. Um, But I'd be curious to see, how this forward you know the forward class shakes out because it's mm-hmm. very deep um in this first round um speaking of that who do you think are some uh, undervalued prospects that could in other drafts be top five guys that can end up in the 10 to 15 10 to 12 range this year
1: well one guy i think could i mean he shouldn't um is Oliver Moore. I think he could drop into that 10, 15 range. Uh, you know, there are some teams that are probably, like Philadelphia is another one. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because they could go for a defenseman like Reinbacher as well. Uh, Ryan Leonard seems like a very good pick for them. Um, so, I mean, there's some guys that go in that those that range, and then you got Oliver Moore dropping. So, I mean, he's a super skilled forward. He, I don't think he drops past the Detroit Red Wings at nine because I think they're they're definitely going to be a team that'll take him if they if he's still there so I mean I think Moore's going to be a guy that could potentially drop into that lower end another guy that again skill wise he shouldn't be dropping is Andrew Crystal uh, he's been talked about in that 15 range and talked about in the 20 to 25 um but based on skill alone he shouldn't he should be getting drafted in that top 10 top 15 but his size is just and his skating is another thing that seems to be weaknesses um i mean size he can't do anything about but that skating is something you could improve on and i think those two factors are going to be a thing that's going to make him drop even though he's his skill is just off the charts. so i mean those two guys for sure i think could potentially be available to teams uh later on um not too later but definitely in that mid range
0: yeah i think andrew crystal is an interesting one um because logan horn of the com and his early june mock draft from uh, june 6th had him going 24th to nashville Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a player that if a team develops him correctly could really really be an elite offensive player uh and we've seen a lot of prospects similar to that over the years in the league um my my kind of Plot twist here is that I do think my official thoughts right now on who the, the Blues take at 10, I think they take Oliver Moore. And I think mm-hmm. a big part of that is I think Detroit trades 9 to yeah. Ottawa for DeBrinket. I think that's that's something that could happen. Um, and I'd be kind of surprised if Detroit picks at 9 and 17. I think that would be quite a surprising thing. I don't know what exactly a trade would look like with one of those picks if it's not for DeBrinket, because I feel like DeBrinket is going to be traded by Ottawa. I think um, Detroit is the one team that makes the most sense. I think there's a team that could maybe pop out of nowhere and do it, but it feels like it's certainly going to be Detroit. Uh, That would be a very interesting uh, pickup there as Detroit looking to to get back into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what about your thoughts on the defensemen in this class? It's an interesting class. It's not the best. I mean, we are a little bit – a couple years removed from a defenseman being the number one overall pick, and then a couple more years for Buffalo again to take a defenseman number mm-hmm. one overall, obviously Darlene and Power. Uh, and then last year we did see uh, Nimitz go uh, number two to New Jersey, and we saw Iriček go six to Columbus. Uh, Kerchinski went seven to Chicago, and uh, Mentukov went 10th to Anaheim. So that's, you know a lot of defensemen in the top 10 that's four right there and then you had uh one to go at 12 as well and one at 18 so six defensemen in the top 20 last year I feel like that's probably not going to be the case this year
1: no I mean there's some guys that seem to be rising uh overall I mean Tom Villander wasn't really considered a really solid first round pick but now he's being talked about in that top 15 um the Canucks definitely are ones that they've talked about all well, the rumors about him, them being really interested in him at 11. So, I mean, there's the going at 11, potentially another guys, Dmitry Simashev uh, has been talked into that range as well. And those two guys have been mostly been ranked in that bottom part of the first round or not even in the first. So um, the main guys that we already mentioned his name a couple of times, David Reinbacher, he he's probably going to be the first one off the board. But you never know. I mean, and then there's Axel Sand and Pelica, who's also been a consensus, maybe two behind Reinbacher, but now that's kind of it's not as certain. Um, like I say, Volander may have usurped him now as being the second best. Uh and you got Simashev, you've got guys like Dragasevich who's kind of dropped off a bit. I mean, there's now he's being talked about being the second round. Uh so I mean Theo Lindstein's another guy's been he was in, he was actually drafted in the first round in, in Craig Button's mock draft. So I mean, there's there could be some surprising defensemen drafted in the first round that we really didn't talk about. The only two that we were really for sure is Reinbacher and uh Sandin Pelica. So there could be some other guys kind of sneaking their way in that have kind of uh increased their draft stock over the last few months and mostly because of the under 18s and Um, So, I mean, I'm really interested to see how many defensemen actually end up being drafted in the first round.
0: Yeah, that'll be a huge talking uh, point for a lot of people with this draft. Um, And I think if you're a team that needs a defenseman and you're in the top like 15, I, I don't really think that you need to press there. Uh, I think best player available is really the best way to approach almost any draft, but especially one like this with this much talent. Especially, you know, in the four group, I'm kind of speaking from a you know a Blues perspective where they obviously need defense, but I don't think you need to take one at ten. I think there's enough defensemen that are close to or on the same level as each other where you can get them late in the first, early in the second. Um, so I don't think that I don't I don't think there'll be any defensemen in the top five. I do think we'll see one sneak in six through ten. I don't know where that will be, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of go up against the forwards and how many forwards we see taken in the first round in comparison to defensemen. Um, it'll be a lot different from last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot said about the depth of this class, and uh, I just want to get your thoughts on kind of the strength of this class after the first round and, like, how deep we're talking about this class. <laughs>
1: It, it's super deep I mean I I really believe if you're into the third round you're getting second round talent that would be drafted in the second round last year uh and it's really that's why I say it's su- it's really important to have these picks that are in the second round uh third round early third um and teams that have traded away their second round picks and Canucks are one of them unfortunately uh, that now they're trying, probably scrambling to try to get some more because I think you really need a few picks in that second round. Like I said, the third round, you're probably going to still get some good players. Um, fourth, probably still good. I think it's as, at least four rounds deep that you're going to get some pretty good um, players that are going to be NHL, NHL, NHLers down the road. So I think in the end, you just get as many picks as you can in this draft because you're going to get some quality throughout, even as deep as the fourth round. And I'm really excited to see how many. Like again, this is way down the road. You'll be talking about five, three, four years from now. Down. I'll be excited to talk about some of these players because I think a lot of them are going to be NHLers. So,
0: yeah, that's that's the most intriguing thing for me is what we see on day two, yeah. uh, and I'm glad it is kind of weird that it's a Wednesday Thursday. This year, Um, that'll be interesting. It's obviously been different in the past. Uh, I remember some Friday, Saturdays and, you know, whereabouts. Um, But, yeah, an interesting part of this will be day two for sure. And I think maybe outside of a couple things, outside of the top ten with this class, I think what trades happen on day one will Mm -hmm. be interesting because there were some big ones last year. We saw Brinkett go to Ottawa on the first day of the draft. Uh, We saw uh, Kirby Doc go to Montreal We saw Romanov go to the Islanders. So there was a lot of action in the trade market on the first day of the draft last year. We'll see what happens this year. Um, And I got four potential trade ideas and what certain teams could do, depending on the spot that they're in. And I'm just going to do them in question form. The first one being, does San Jose move back from number four?
1: Uh, I mean, I think,
0: I think they stay there. I I know there's been talk like you said
1: that they could move. I I feel that, those top five picks, it would have to be a massive uh, deal for it to, for the team to move them. Um, Sounds they may be the most likely that they could, but uh, because of what they're doing in a rebuild, but I think ultimately they're going to keep that, that four pick because of the rebuild to, to add that type of player.
0: Uh Yeah. I don't think this is a normal number four overall pick. I think this is a little bit different. This is like a two or in between two and three in a normal draft because um, I don't think whoever they get it for would be like a number one pick in a certain, maybe last year, I guess. But um, yeah, I think they should, I think they should keep it. And I think they will. Uh, the next one here, I'm just going to get this one out of the way. Cause I mentioned earlier, does Detroit move nine? And then I guess I should put Andor 17 for to
1: I think they move 17 uh, and add some other stuff for Dabrinket. I think they keep that nine. I I think, again, it'd have to be a massive trade. I mean, this could potentially be that um, that type of a trade to move that nine pick. But, again, those types of players are getting in the top 10. I don't know. I I wouldn't move it. Uh, I would definitely look at moving that 17, though, because you could definitely maybe add another prospect to make up for it for the So I think the 17 moves, but not the nine.
0: Yeah. I could see the same thing happening there uh, with them. Uh, and then another one here, does Toronto move number 28 for a roster player, possibly a defenseman? I know there's been talks about Hannafin and mm. Sanheim uh, thoughts on that.
1: I mean, if I was Toronto, I'd look into it because again, where they are in their, in their, progression of being a contender they are a contending team and i think they only have a few couple more maybe a couple more seasons with that before they have to start kind of moving those core guys one could be moved this year who knows but i think if there is a trade to be made you do do it but it would have to be the right player for like hannafin would be a pretty good one because i think he's the guy that maybe again there's been talk he wants to just play in the state so that may not be a good trade um so, I mean, I'm thinking it have to be a, uh, something that you know is going to benefit you, not just maybe a one-year thing like they're talking about with Tyler Perfoli. Um Again, could be just one season and then he's gone. So I, I wouldn't really – if you're doing a trade, you want to trade for a guy that you know is going to be there beyond just this coming season.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then the last one here, I'm just going to answer this real quick. Uh, what does St. Louis do with 25 and 29? Personally, I think – that there is no way that the Blues pick 10, 25, and 29. I think 25 is moved. Um, I think they'll pick 29. The problem is I don't know what the move would be. I don't know if it would be 25 and other picks to move up, 25 and 29 and other picks to move up. Uh, I don't know what players out there really makes sense for them to trade a first four, especially since the whole Kevin Hayes thing really doesn't, make any sense for what Doug Armstrong has been saying about how he wants to build this team. I don't really see how him saying that he wants to add a 25 to 27 year old type forward with control equates to 31 year old Kevin Hayes or 32 Mm -hmm. or how old he is at seven mil. I know that that would be retained, but, uh, I think they make two of the three picks and I think 25 will be the more likely to be traded. I just don't know what the trade is going to be. I guess we'll get into some of the trade drama with Philadelphia later, but uh, what do you think they do with 25 and 29?
1: I agree with you. I think they move that 25. I I don't think, like I said, like you said, they're, they're not going to make all three picks. I think they definitely will trade one of them. And I think the 25 does make the most sense for sure.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what, what the trade would be in that regard. Um, But all right, let's get into the free agency class, which the free agency class is, it has a a couple of interesting forwards, uh, maybe a couple of interesting demon. I I think the goaltending class is uh, fairly boring overall. I think you're going to see a lot of re-signing with some of the top goaltenders, but we'll get there. Um, Just, we're going to gauge the strength of this class and predict where we think guys are going to go. I got really like, Towards the end of this, I was just completely guessing on some of these <laughs> players. So we're going to see how that goes over. Uh, and I, I didn't add David Krejci or Patrice Bergeron to this because I think that they're Boston or retirement. Yeah. Um, and obviously uh, Jordan Stahl just re-signing Carolinas. That's another guy that's off the board in free agency. Didn't really make sense for him to go anywhere else anyway. Uh, but all right, let's start here. The top forwards, the first one that I wrote down is the guy that had the most points last year out of this class. Uh, and that's Alex Kalorn. The big man, the winger from Tampa, uh, 33 years old, played 82 games, had 27 goals, 37 assists, 64 points. Uh, my prediction for Killorn is that he is going to stay in Tampa. And I think that if you look at the cap space right now, they have, uh, have 450,000. So they're going to have to do something there to make that work. I think there's been talks about Ross Colton being on the mm-hmm. move possibly to make some space. Uh, but I think Kalorn stays in Tampa. I don't really see him anywhere else, to be honest. Yeah,
1: I was going to say the same. I think uh, Kalorn goes back. I mean, he stays in Tampa. I think he's just – he's not like – although I thought Palat was going to stay in Tampa. so It's true. You know, I mean, I, I, I think uh, Kalorn does stay. I think they figure it out because he is a really very underrated forward for them. Um, he just kind of plays this game and puts up points. And uh, so I, I say he stays. They'll figure it out.
0: Uh, Patrick Kane's an interesting one. Hip surgery this uh, this summer. Looks like he'll probably be out six months from, I don't know if it was May or early June, but either way, he's going to miss probably a couple months of the regular season at least. Uh, last season, obviously got traded to the Rangers. Limited time there. He's 34 now, played 73 games, had 21 goals, 36 assists, 57 points. I thought about saying that he'd return to the Rangers, but I'm I'm just going to do the thing where this has been talked about for way too long, and I'm just going to say that he goes to Buffalo. Why not? I mean, I, <laughs> he'll sign a friendly deal in Buffalo, go home, play on the top, maybe play with Tage Thompson and uh, have some fun. I, I don't know. I, I just don't really see anywhere else that makes a whole lot of sense from a contender perspective for him. When he's going to be out for multiple months, I have no clue what his contract right. is going to look like. So I'm just going to do the the boring thing and say Kane goes to the, to the Sabres.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kane's a tough one. I, I would have had a bunch more suitors if he would have been healthy to start next season. I think now because he's he's going to be out for a while, I don't know what team would really want to take a risk on him maybe. I I wanted to say just a fun type nostalgia thing, go back to Chicago because, and play with Bedard yeah. for one season or whatever. Um, so maybe I'll stick with that.
0: Let's say that. Whatever.
1: I mean, he goes back to Chicago, plays with Bedard, and, I mean, I don't know. If I was Kane, I'd, I'd think about it.
0: Yeah, I would, too. I mean, he, he, I'm sure he's still got his, his house there and obviously <laughs> spent a ton of time there. I, I think that that would make sense. I just don't know where Chicago would be at on it. That's Yeah. But I do think Kane would would like that. Uh, the next one, speaking of going back to Chicago, I'm going to say that Max Domi returns to Chicago. Played a short time there before getting traded to Dallas. Uh, he's 28 years old, 80 games, 20 goals, 36 assists, 56 points. I mean, he's kind of like one of the very few guys that are good in this class that play center or can play center.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but other – like it's, it's a very – like he was 53% in the faceoff circle last year. And, I mean, that's – you're not going to see a lot of that with this class because the, the centers in this class is really like it's Domi, it's Comfer – it's O'Reilly. I guess we want to say Taves. I don't know really what his free agent outlook looks like, but I think Domi, I think Chicago is going to look to add some good forwards. I think they are going to spend some money. Obviously you want to surround Bedard with something early on in his career, uh, but they're obviously still in a rebuilding phase. So I think Domi probably resigns for like two or three years there. Uh, but I'm going to say Domi goes back to Chicago
1: yeah i, I agree I, that was my first thought too is that uh domi goes back because that he played really well uh for chicago he was probably one of their better forwards um i was surprised they didn't resign him like they did with that having to say you. um but that was afterwards obviously but uh you know domi really seemed to fit in there and they did get some assets for him and now it'd be like basically like dallas rented him and now back to chicago uh so yeah i'm gonna say that too i think you know he's a guy that probably would like to go back, and now he could potentially play uh, on a power play unit with Bedard or even on the same line. Um, that's pretty good incentive to come back, to go yeah. back to Chicago. So I'm going to say Domi definitely does do that.
0: Uh, next up is JT Comfort, Colorado, 28 years old, 82 games last year, 17 goals, 35 assists, 52 points. Uh, kind of fell off a little bit after the deadline into the playoffs. Uh, but overall, still one of the better true centers in this class, and it seems like Colorado's pretty set in moving on. Uh, I think Ryan Johansson, who was traded there yesterday, plays somewhat of a role in, uh, in mid- at middle six center for them. So I'm going to say the conference stays in the division. I'm going to say he goes to Minnesota. Minnesota uh, Minnesota's a team right now; uh, they have 8.2 million in cap space. I don't think they're going to re-sign Dumba. Uh, you still want to keep adding pieces because they don't have like a lot, like obviously the dead cap thing with, uh, with Suter and Parisi goes until 2028, 20, 29, but it's still high. Now it's still 7.3 million for the next two years, which is insane to think about. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just got to keep adding pieces and going for it, especially with, you You know, you got Kaprizov for three more years. You want to keep trying to, to win. Cause who knows? what the money is gonna look like for a guy like Caprizov in 2026-27. so uh, really their best center right now is Ericson Eck and mm-hmm. I think I think you, you put comfort there as your second line center maybe even you know throw him on the third if you have to or maybe you know he could probably play any of the top three so I think comfort makes sense on like a good deal like nothing higher than 5.5 probably probably less than that for comfort so I'm gonna say JT Comfer – Stays in the division, goes to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I mean, Comfort could fit in a few places. I like he, like you say, he's probably one of the be- better centers in this class. And teams that need third line centers, uh, or even second line, like you said, uh, could potentially go after him. So I, I have a tough one. I'm going to say he's going to go to the Dallas Stars. I, I don't know why. It just seems like he could be a guy that could go there, especially if they're losing Max Domi. Even though Domi wasn't there all season, I think Comfort
0: would really fit uh, in Dallas. So I'll say Comfort goes to Dallas. Yeah, I think Comfort would be a really good fit because really, like, you can have Sagan playing center. If you want to get crazy, throw Ben at, at center. You could do that. And Rope Hintz is a stud. And after that, I think Comfort, I mean, Wyatt Johnston's really special, and he's a center, mm-hmm. but – um, yeah, I think Comfort could make a lot of sense there, especially like you said, if Domi is on the way out, which seems to be the case. And Dallas has seven point three million in cap space, with uh, their RFA. Their only RFA is uh, Delandria. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah, and, and I don't think they're going to re-sign uh, Dodonov or Dadanov or however when you pronounce that <laughs> one, I've heard that one a number of ways. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense um, for Comfort. Uh Next up is Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, 31 years old, traded from the Blues to the Rangers in uh, earlier this year in the middle of the season, played in 69 games, 18 goals, 32 assists, 50 points. Not as good as he was last year. Uh, the 2020, uh, 2021-22 season, he was phenomenal. Uh, had 82 points in that season. Um, I think a team that's always been interested in Tarasenko – but didn't make the move at the deadline is a team where he could stay close to where he is, which I think is the Islanders
1: mm-hmm. have
0: been, I mean, I remember writing two or three years ago about the Islanders and Tarasenko, So I think that that's something that could happen this year. And you look at where the Islanders are at. I think they're still trying to do something in terms of trying to win. I don't really know if Lula or Murillo really has a, direction for the franchise at this moment i mean they do have 4.5 million dollars in cap space the big thing there is i think they're going to trade somebody and i think that trade is probably a josh bailey type five mil right now um they they re-signed horvat 8.5 a year uh they have a good foundation in terms of leadership with uh, Anders lee and and brock nelson and you know uh Pajot and Paul Murray, a lot of veterans there. I think if they're able to trade out a contract such as the the Bailey contract and replace him with a Tarasenko, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm going to say Tarasenko goes somewhere where I think I've thought for the last three years he would end up there at some point, and I'm going to say Tarasenko goes to the Islanders. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to pay. I, I think a team's going to overpay for him.
1: I think they're going to they're going to put some money for him because he is. He is, but I mean, he's not really old, he still has the ability to score goals. Um, I want to say he's going to go to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, I think the Kraken, they have a ton of cap space. I and they don't, I don't know if they have really have a lot of players they need to re sign. Just looking, um, I don't think, I think
0: Susie's really the big Susie's one, he's the
1: biggest one.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I mean, they got a couple RFAs Morgan Geeky, Daniel Sprong. Um, I mean yeah it, and Vince Dunn is an RFA as well so I mean they do have some guys that they need to put money to but they got 20 according to cap friendly 20 million yeah uh, projected cap space so I mean that's quite a bit um so I'm gonna say that they make a pitch for Tarasenko I don't know if he'll go there but uh if they do I think I think he can especially what the Kraken did in the playoffs I mean it's I think he could fit in um uh, being the top six there especially with I mean, the Kraken don't have a really bonafide goal scorer in their top six as a, a winger, so I, I'll say I'm just gonna say I'll say they goes to the Kraken. We'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could. I mean, I could see it. They have the seventh most cap space right now, according to Cap Friendly, uh, only buying Anaheim, Chicago, Detroit, Arizona, New Jersey, Carolina. So, really, three teams in that top seven in cap space are true contenders right now, and it would be in terms of the playoffs, which would be New Jersey, Carolina, Seattle. Uh, this would be a full circle thing for Tarasenko because he was unprotected in the expansion draft. Seattle didn't take him. They yeah. took Vince Dunn. Uh, Tarasenko would be reuniting with uh, with Vince Dunn. He would be uh, reuniting with Jaden Schwartz. So that would be an intriguing thing. Obviously, him and Schwartz were drafted uh, within three spots of each other by the Blues in the 2010 draft. So yeah. um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, I don't know if he would go there. Uh, I think that Seattle is going to become a pretty attractive spot though for free agents was the mm-hmm. way that, with the way that they, uh, with the way they've, you know, gone about their business and played kind of the, the opposite of Vegas in some regard, not that Vegas is anything wrong. They want a cup, but you know uh, there is a certain connotation there with Vegas overall as an organization. Uh, but yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense if, if he would do it. And uh, I think they would have to pay probably more than a lot of people would think that he's worth at this stage, but, I think it makes sense from a fit perspective, so I think that's a that's a good one there. Uh, next up is uh, another winger, uh, Michael Bunting from Toronto, 27 years old, one of the younger uh, valuable UFAs, maybe one of the uh, one of the best in terms of guys that are 28 and under. Uh, played 82 games last year, 23 goals, 26 assists, 49 points, and we kind of saw with Bunting before he went to Toronto and Arizona, where he looked good, and then Toronto he goes and he produces even more. And um, I'm going to say that Kyle Dubas, who's it in Pittsburgh now, mm-hmm. brings him in and signs him in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh has $20.2 million in cap space. They have to re-sign Tristan Jari. And if they don't re-sign Jari, you have to think that they'll go into the trade market for a goaltender or sign another one. Uh, but outside of that, uh, they have uh, Ryan uh, paling and Drew O'Connor as RFAs uh, Danton Heinen, Jason Zucker, Nick Benino, Josh Archibald, UFAs, as well as Brian Dumoulin, Dmitry Kulikov, and then Jari. So they do have 20.2 mil. And I think bunting could be a nice addition to their forward group. I do think there's a chance that they make a trade of some sort. I, I don't think anybody wants Jeff Carter. So I'll throw that out. I, I feel like that would be weird and unrealistic, but you got to wonder what's going to happen with Jake Gensel. He's got one year left at six mil. Um, but yeah, they can afford it. And I think the bunting, If they, I think they'll give bunting like a probably too much term, but I think that if Dubas is going to bring anybody over from Toronto, it's going to be bunting.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good one. I think, I think that's, that's high on my list. I, I don't know why, again, I just had this feeling because of how arizona coyotes seem to be doing some interesting things they seem to want to be competitive and bunting started his career in arizona so i mean uh, it's it'll be interesting i think they could definitely go after him i again i don't know if he wants to go to arizona because again they're not a contender it won't be for a few years and if they even stay in arizona i don't know so i'll stay with the pittsburgh thing i think pittsburgh's a a better fit uh, and I think he'd definitely go there over Arizona, even though I think he'd be, you know, doing pretty well there. Uh, you know, playing with some of that young talent that they are bringing in. But I just feel like he probably won't go because of that fact that he won't be a can, you know, contending for like until he's over thirty, right? So
0: yeah, yeah. Arizona is definitely going to be one of the more active teams in this offseason, just because they have, you know, twenty-eight million in cap space. They have two firsts a second, four-thirds, uh, two picks in the fifth and sixth rounds. There's a lot of drama there, obviously, with the whole arena issue and all that. So that will be very interesting. And the fact that, I mean, Clayton Keller, like is he going to be there for five more years? I don't mm-hmm. know if I if I would believe that. So, And obviously they just made a trade that was interesting. But uh, Arizona will be interesting. But, yeah, Bunting should be I, – I would be surprised if it's not – like a team that he has a connection with whether it's like re-signing in Toronto which I don't see that happening but you never know they do have cap space or going back to Arizona or going with Dupas to Pittsburgh I think any of those would be on the table Um, this is one where I just completely guessed uh, Tomas Tatar New Jersey last year 32 years old 82 games 20 goals 28 assists 48 points I'm just saying Washington. I don't know why, but I'm going okay. Washington. Uh, I think they're probably going to trade Kuznetsov if they can find somebody to take that. They might have to eat some money there. I would think that they have to because I don't know if there's any teams out there that are going to want Kuznetsov at 7.8 million for two years. So I think that that would be an issue. Uh, but if they move him, you bring in Tatar, and it's—I mean, Tatar is not a center, but they, like their wing depth. Is it really that good? Because uh, you have Ovechkin, yes. Mm-hmm. He's also 37 now. He's still good, but, you know, Oshi, 36. Yeah. Mantha, Mantha, just I don't know what the deal is there. He's been not not great. 27 points 67 games last year. That's not going to cut it at 5.7 million. I think they could trade Tom Wilson as well. So I think you just throw <laughs> Tatara into a middle six role and see what happens. So I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> I was the same thing I just guessed and
1: I I'm gonna say the Anaheim Ducks and because of what they're bringing in um at the draft they're gonna bring in Adam Fantilli for sure I uh, even if it's not him it'll be like I don't know I can't see him not picking uh Fantilli and yeah, Fantilli's, no way. Fantilli's a pretty good centerman to play with mm-hmm. I, I don't know if again we don't know if he's gonna be there next season he could play go back to Michigan and, uh, you know, play out, and still playing the NCAA, which is what Power did. But I just feel like Tatar could fit in Anaheim with, again, the young guys um, who's doing that in New Jersey, being their veteran presence with a lot of their young forwards, um, has been through it. I, I think Anaheim really fits as being that similar type team to New Jersey because they got all that young, young players and guys that are on the rise. Um, so I'll, I'm going to say Anaheim. I think they could fit there.
0: Yeah, I do think Anaheim is going to do something with free agency. I'm not sure what it is, but I do have one player going there. But we'll get there. Uh, next up is Jason Zucker, Pittsburgh, 31 years old, 78 games. That 27 goals kind of quiet. Didn't didn't uh, know about that until I wrote it. Uh, 21 assists, 48 points. Another guess here. Um, I'm just going to say uh, your Vancouver Canucks. I mean, uh, 6.4 <laughs> million cap space. It doesn't make that much sense from a fit perspective because you look at the wingers, I guess Besser could be traded still. I don't think JT Miller is going anywhere, Um, but you have Kuzmenko. You also have the uh, chance that they trade Garland, uh, Beauvillier, Potkholz. And outside of that, from a winger perspective, it's not, I mean, it's not uh, overwhelming. I don't know what kind of role uh, Kraftsov is going to have next year. There as well, so I think Vancouver could bring in like a veteran. I don't think Zucker is going to cost that much, despite the fact that he scored 27 goals last year. I think he'll be a quiet under the radar name, and it feels like Vancouver. Obviously, they probably could use a defenseman, but um, it feels like they still think that they can win next year, or at least make the playoffs. And I don't know if they're there. Obviously, the 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 OAL thing is tough, although the cap hit this year is not bad. Um, but I do think that Vancouver is going to do something. So why not get Zucker? Twenty-seven goals last year. Maybe it could be a nice, cheap addition.
1: Yeah, I mean the Canucks have been again. This is a different management group, but they were interested in Zucker for trade when he was in Minnesota. Um, and there was always, whenever Besser was rumored to go there, Zucker was the guy coming back. So it could be could be something. But again, yeah. that whole management group's different now. I since then. But I'm going to say Zucker stays in Pittsburgh. I think he seemed to start kind of fitting in there. Uh, again, they got a new management group. I don't know if Dubis has any you know, liking to him or not, but uh, we'll see. I think Zucker does stay there. I think he seemed to, again, fit in um, once his injuries weren't, weren't an issue, which he, he's been having some really bad injury luck. Uh, lately, which also fits a Canucks perspective because they seem to get those types of players.
0: (laughs) True. Uh, No doubt. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Zucker. Uh, Next up is a guy who is going to get paid and he's going to get a lot of term. And it's going to probably be more than what we saw with the Blake Coleman thing uh when he went to Calgary it's Ivan Barbashev Vegas obviously won a cup had a great playoff run Mm. not a great regular season he had 60 plus points with the Blues the season before regular season not great last year looked great in Vegas always thought he was a really good fit there uh and the playoffs were just really really good uh 27 games last year or 82 games he's 27 years old misread uh 16 goals 29 assists 45 points this one hurts, but uh, I think Chicago is gonna is gonna make a move here. Uh, they got thirty seven point five million cap space. Barbashev can play center or wing. Um, toss him into the top six, and he'll probably produce. And he's a great playoff player. And I think he's gonna get seven years. And it's mm-hmm. gonna be, yeah, I, I think I can see that for Barbachev. Either way, he's gonna get paid. I, I I would say the other team that I think of here is Florida. But um, I do think Barbashev. Obviously, I don't think Vegas can afford to keep him.
1: Yeah. Well, this is where I'm afraid, and I'm really scared that this is what's going to happen. That the Canucks are going to sign him. <laughs> I. It's. It seems like there's been talk already about him. He has the same agent as Kuzmenko and Pod Podkolzin, and you know, there's already that connection there. And Canucks need a third line center. Barbashev can play center. I. So, I mean, there's a fit, but for the money he's going to get, and I, I have this really bad feeling now that they've moved some money and now they have the money that they're going to sign Barbashev to a stupid contract. That, So I'm going to say the Canucks are going to do it because it just feels like that's where it's going.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, his contract it might be the most fascinating one that I'm curious to see what it looks like. Like I feel like seven, seven years and like five is what he's going to get. Seven years, 525 or something. It's going to be, yeah, it's something that we've seen a lot recently in the NHL where a guy helps his team win a cup and he played a huge role. He was one of their four or five best players I would say during the playoffs last year, but we're always going to see that guy. You know, we saw Blake, Cole. we saw Tampa guys getting the money and I think Barbershev's going to be one of those guys. And obviously, you know, Hey, He's won two Cups. He's been great in the playoffs. He had a really good regular season breakout in 21-22. So, you know, I like the guy a lot, obviously, helping the Blues win a Cup, but he's going to get overpaid for sure. If he doesn't get overpaid, he's going to get overturned. It's going to be one of the two. He's going to (laughs) get six or seven years. So it'll be fascinating. Another one here, uh, Jonathan Taves, Chicago, 35 years old now, 53 games, which I'm surprised he played that many. It didn't feel like that. Uh, 15 goals, 16 assists, 31 points. Uh, This is a guy that I always thought was going to retire, but I think he's probably going to play another. And I'm going to say that he does it in a place that's been rumored a lot and a team that doesn't have very much cap space, but if you can get him on a low, low deal, you bring him in, you bring in a veteran guy who's won numerous cups. And uh, I think it's Edmonton uh, for Mm -hmm. Taves. It's been rumored plenty, whether it was at the deadline or it could be now. Uh, you look at the center depth for them. Obviously, McDavid, you could play dry You, I think they should prefer to play dry at center, but he can play the wing. Uh, Nugent Hopkins can play center. They got this prospect, obviously, Holloway coming up, guy that could play center. Um, Ryan McLeod as well, but that's more of a, a fourth line type guy, and he, he's an RFA. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to say Taves goes to Edmonton to finish out his career.
1: Yeah, that's a good fit for him. I think Taves does go to a Canadian team. I There's been talk. I don't know if it's been just speculation. It's just speculation that Taves could potentially go to Toronto. Um, and that, again, similar fit. You know, play third line centre. You sign for a low-end deal content to a contending team that could potentially win another cup, and then he retires. Um, so I'm going to say Toronto. I, I think he, he could potentially be a fit there um they have cap space they could pay him a bit more um than Mm -hmm. than, than a bit so and he could especially if they don't re-sign uh ryan o'reilly which we'll get to
0: yeah um next up is tyler bertuzzi traded from detroit to boston in the regular season uh numbers not as good as you'd think but i still think a very valuable player uh, 28 years old, 50 games, 8 goals, 22 assists, 30 points. I'm going to say Boston figures out a way to keep them. Uh, and I think the way to figure that out is probably by trading Taylor Hall. Uh, they have yeah. $4.9 in cap space right now. Uh, they have RFA Trent Frederick, another guy that could his, his rights could be traded. I think that's on the table. Like I said earlier, uh, Bergeron and Krejci are guys that are either going to retire or stay put. And if they stay put, they're not going to get a lot of money. That's pretty much how it's been every year. Mm-hmm. I think Felino is probably on the way out in terms of not re-signing in Boston. I think Hathaway is a guy you could bring back, but it's not going to be expensive. Uh, Clifton and Orlov are probably two guys that they lose. And then Swayman's an RFA. But, yeah, they have um, not a lot in cap space, 4.9. So, like I said, you probably got to trade Taylor Hall. And, obviously, he's got two years left at 6 mil. That's kind of tough there for a team to take on. Who knows who would even do that, but uh, I'm going to say Bertuzzi stays put in Boston.
1: Yeah, I, I'm leaning there too, because I think Bertuzzi's
0: got, he
1: seemed to fit in really well with them in the playoffs. And uh, like, he didn't have very good numbers in the regular season, but uh, once he hit the playoffs there, it seemed like he really fit with Boston. So I'm going to say he, he's going to want to stay there and and they're going to try to figure it out and they'll figure it out. So, but like you said, it has to be some trades happening. And, um, and I think they could definitely do it. And I think again, Bertuzzi seems to be a fit.
0: Yeah. Uh, The last forward to discuss here is uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Toronto traded from St. Louis to Toronto in the middle of the season, 32 years old, injury plagued, had a uh, broken foot at one point and another injury and just not great. Still productive though with Toronto overall, Uh, overall 16 goals, 14 assists, 30 points, In the regular season, he had 11 points in 13 regular season games with the Leafs, 9 points in 11 playoff games with the Leafs. It was a good fit. Um, I think if they they kind of figured out how to use him towards the end there, how to mix up him and Tavares and figure that out. Uh, I've always thought that there was a good chance that the Blues would bring him back this summer. However, (laughs) the recent reporting, such as the Blues being interested in Kevin Hayes or other players, makes me think that the Blues aren't going to do that unless the Hayes deal does fall through, which I still think there's a chance that it happens. But it is taking quite some time since we first (laughs) heard the reports about it. Uh, But I'm going to say Toronto figures out a way to keep him. Uh, And I think O'Reilly, you probably give him like – he's 32. You probably give him an extra year of term to try to keep the cap hit low. But even then, I think you don't do anything more than four years. But I think Mm. you probably – you try to do three, maybe two. And if you can get him back at like five mil, I, I think you could probably fix or uh, fit that in. Uh, Toronto has nine point one million cap space right now, and I think they're going to sign a defenseman somewhere down the road um, if they don't trade for one. So I'm going to say O'Reilly stays put in Toronto.
1: Yeah, I, since I said Taves is signing Toronto, I, I'll say O'Reilly is going to sign in Detroit. Uh, I think Detroit's a good. They've been there. Was talk about him being traded there uh, at the time mm-hmm. when he was traded to Toronto. And um, again, Detroit has cap space. They need to spend some money in the off season here. Um, depending again, if they, if they go after to Brink and they get to Brink at, they're going to have to pay him. Yeah. So, but if that doesn't happen, I think O'Reilly could fit uh, in Detroit.
0: Well, I think the Red Wings would be very smart to reunite David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly yeah. who were absolutely <laughs> phenomenal together in St. Louis. And that, you know, that's another mistake the blue should have brought prom back, but that's neither here nor there. Uh other free agents of less value that we won't predict today, but I'll just list them off here. Evgeny Guinea Dadon Dadanov I don't even know at this point. I'm just gonna go with both. Uh Alex Kerfoot, uh Jonathan Druen, Druin, I guess is how they pronounce that. Uh Pierre Angval, Oscar Sunquist, who I think is the guy that could return to St. Louis. Uh Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, Jesper Faust, and others. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, the forward class is really the strength of the free agency class. Uh, Outside of that, it's not great. There are a couple defensemen that I like a lot, and we'll get into them now. I think the top defenseman in this class overall, from a long-term perspective, had a really good season last year. I think that's Ryan Graves Mm -hmm. of the New Jersey Devils, uh, 28 years old. And this is where I think Toronto makes a surprising move, and they bring in Graves, and they – Toss him on the second second pair, left side because I think McCabe's a guy you could play on either side, and I think like a like a like a Graves McCabe or a Graves Brody or even like a Graves Timmons or Grin, like one of those guys with Graves. I think Toronto is going to surprise some people and make that move that that uh, everyone's like, oh, I did not think he would go to Toronto. So I'm going to say <laughs> Graves goes to Toronto.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think Graves uh, goes to, um, I'll say Toronto too, because I, I think that's a that's a really good fit. Uh, they need that left side and uh, they need defensemen. Uh, it, it seems like they did load up at the trade deadline and stuff. It didn't seem to work all out, all that well. Uh, Luke Shen could return, who knows? But I think Graves could potentially be a really good, like you said, long-term fit too, not just uh, a little short you know, couple of years.
0: Yeah. The next one here is uh Connor Clifton from Boston, 28 years old. Now this, this is one that I wrote down and now I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't have had him going where I had him go. I'm going to stick with it, but it doesn't really make sense because literally all of Chicago's defensemen right now are right-handed defensemen and Clifton is also that, uh, but I'm going to have him going to Chicago. I, I don't, they can mix and mash pieces if they have to, uh, because right now you look at their top three defensemen in salary. It's, it's Seth Jones, 9.5 mil, which I cannot believe that that is a thing, but whatever. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev, 4.5 mil, and Connor Murphy, 4.4. And the Zaitsev contract's probably untradeable, because so, it already got traded once. And Chicago, mm-hmm. obviously, was in a completely different spot. I don't even know who would take that contract on again, but uh, it is only one year left. So I guess it I can't really say untradeable if it's only one year. But anyway, uh, I'm going to say Clifton goes to Chicago, even though I – Probably should have had Orlov going to Chicago, but whatever. I'm going to go with it.
1: All right, I, I'm going. Cl- Clifton's going to the Arizona Coyotes. I, I think again, the Coyotes need. They're going to have to spend money. Yep. Um, Clifton won't get a ton, but they need defensemen as well. They traded Chikrin. They got basically nothing really uh, on defense right now. Um, I can probably pick a few other defensemen here that could go to Arizona. So I'm I'm going to say Clifton goes to Arizona.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good solid fit. Uh, another team that needs to spend money, kind of, because they're probably going to trade a lot of money off the books if if something big happens this this offseason. That's the San Jose Sharks, and that's where I have uh, Seattle's Carson Soucy going, the 28-year-old big D-man. Uh, San Jose has $14 million in cap space. And when I was researching uh, Soucy, I saw a lot of San Jose talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a fit there. Bring him in like a five-year deal, see what happens. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to build your defense somehow because I'm not sure Eric Carlson's going to be there. I, I get that the contract for Carlson is a lot, but I think NHL GMs can sit there and, and talk themselves into, okay. I mean, he had 101 points last year, and yeah. and he might not do that again, but more years than not, Eric Carlson's been, like, an elite offensive defenseman. So yeah. I think a GM could talk themselves into that deal. But, uh, I mean, it's like – it's San Jose is a weird team because they're paying so much money to two defensemen and one of them is, like, not even really, like, close. Like, Vlasic is nowhere near a $7 million defenseman anymore. Yeah. And they do have some good, like, young pieces on their, uh, on their blue line. So I think Susie could be a nice fit. And even if you don't trade Carlson, bring in Susie, put them together, see what happens. So mm-hmm. – um, I think that would be an intriguing fit for, for Susie.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I'm going to go with Susie going, coming to the Vancouver Canucks. I think uh, he fits what Rick Tockett likes in a defenseman. Um, you know, he's big, he's physical and, and can play, you know, as a top four, a legitimate top four defenseman. So um, I don't know what type of money he'll get. I, I think they could have to pay quite a bit for him, but uh, I think he would fit in Vancouver on uh you know, hopefully not a long-term deal, but uh, yeah, I'm going to say Susie comes into the Canucks.
0: I think that'd be a good fit as well. Uh, Next up is Justin Hall. uh, Toronto last season, 31 years old. I I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's not returning to the Maple Leafs. I think that the the fans and the organization are probably ready for that to be, to be done. Uh, A bit of a punching bag there for the last few years. Um, Obviously a huge market. I'm going to say that, like you said earlier, Arizona needs to spend money. Uh, I don't really see another team. Like I thought about maybe going Nashville for him, but mm. I'm going to say that Arizona does it, and I'm going to say Arizona gives them like four mil just because they need to add some money to the books because they have 28.2. I don't even I don't know what the floor is this year, but I'm sure that they need to spend money to yeah. uh, get to that. So um, I'm going to say uh, Hall goes to Arizona. Yeah, I I think.
1: I don't know why I feel this. I think Justin Hall's going to the New York Islanders. I I just feel like I'm trying to, i got to look at what, uh, if Lou Lamarillo was there when he was, if he had anything involved in that. But uh, I think he he was drafted in 2010. So, had to be close. When was Lamarillo there? (laughs) No way. He was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. Never mind. He wasn't in. Uh, he
0: wasn't. In, he wasn't drafted by Toronto, but uh, yeah, that's a confusion. Yeah, I will. The Islanders do need to replace Scott Mayfield, who's probably yeah. on the way out. Uh, and if you look at the the right side of their D, they have two guys. It's it's Pulak and Dobson. So I think that's oh, a good a fit bet. naturally from the team perspective. And I think Lamarillo probably thinks probably doesn't he doesn't strike me as the biggest like analytics guy so you bring in justin hall and you're like hey big defenseman played for the leafs played in the playoffs bring him in i think that's a very i think i could definitely see that happening that would be an interesting uh a deal there i don't know what his contract's gonna look like but it's gonna be weird um and it's not gonna be toronto so uh this is a classic playoff one here. This is a guy that completely turns it on in the playoffs. And if yeah. you want to you bring in Radko Gudis, who had a really fun run with Florida last year and was like the just running guys over, I think that that's a great fit for any team looking to be in the playoffs to get Radko Gudis. That's why I think Dallas brings him in. Uh, 33 years old, played in Florida last year, got to the cup final. Uh, just a, seems like a really good locker room guy. Uh, obviously big defenseman, hits hard. 33 years old, bring him in, try to go on a bit of a playoff run. Um Dallas on the right side right now. I mean Hayeskin can play either side. Uh, but after that it's Colin Miller, it's Hawk and Paw. So I think Gudis could be a good fit in Dallas.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm think I think Florida's gonna find a way to pick uh keep him. I think he really seemed to fit as a really, like you said, the locker room guy. He was really good in the playoffs. I think they're going to do their best to re-sign him, and I think they'll figure it out and uh, and keep him. So I'll say the Panthers, are he's going to come
0: back. Uh, next up is Dmitry Orlov, traded from Washington to Boston last year. Um, maybe the most – Maybe like if if you're a win now team this might be the number one guy to sign I would say from from the mm-hmm. uh, from the blue line uh 31 years old uh, I'm going to get a little weird again I'm going to say that Buffalo brings him in they got 14.4 million I feel like Buffalo's a team like you want to get some veteran blue liners back there with a lot of experience to to surround you know Dalleen Samuelson uh and power you want to get those types of guys that's why I always thought like could the Blues convince Colton Preco to go to Buffalo, and could they convince Buffalo to take Colton Preco? I, I feel like Buffalo is going to do something with a with a more valuable older blue liner. And I'm going to say that that's going to be Orlov. It'd be a weird thing for Orlov, who definitely seems like he's going to sign with a real contender. But like, why can't Buffalo be a possible playoff team next year? Um, they're not, you know, they're not uh, they're not that far away. I mean, I know that. Last season kind of tailed off a little bit, but they're not, you know, they are in the Atlantic, which does work against them because you have Boston, you have Florida. Who knows how – like how much longer is Boston going to reign supreme? Maybe not very long. Maybe maybe they actually missed the playoffs last year like a lot of people thought going into this year. Um, Florida, I think, is going to be good for a while. Tampa is always going to be good. Toronto is always going to be competitive. But outside of that, Buffalo could be a team like that. So I do think Buffalo is going to do something with a veteran – Blue liner of value, so I'm going to say Dmitri Orlov signs in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, I I think well Orlov won't be coming back to Boston. I think it's just me too much money. Yeah, um, even though he seemed to be a really good, uh, really good for them uh, on the blue line, but they got some other good other guys they need to figure out. So I, I'm going to say Orlov goes back to Washington. Uh, I think that he's, you know, they did try to re-sign him to an extension. Uh, before the trade happened, but I think they're going to figure out a way to get him back. I think he, again, he seemed to be um, one of their top blue, top defensemen for them, and I think they definitely need need defense still. They got Sandine now, seemed really good there at the end of the season. Uh, I think Orlov would be really good to come back uh, to Washington.
0: Yeah, I was researching, and it was pretty much between Buffalo, and Washington for me. Uh, I think the big thing there with him is that originally, when he was trying to sign an extension. In Washington, he wanted seven years, and that's Mm. that's a lot. So I don't think that that's going to happen in free agency, but I guess you never know. I could see him getting five um, for sure, and we'll see where he goes. Uh, Another one here is Eric Gustafson, Toronto, 31 years old. This is a complete guess for me. Uh, I did not really think this one through that much, um, but I'm just going to say that a team that's rebuilding wants to bring him in on a short-term deal and kind of just fill a spot. And I'm going to say that's a team that's got a lot of trades ahead of them, and that's Philadelphia. Uh, right now, on the blue line, it certainly seems like they're going to trade Sanheim. So uh, outside of that, you have uh, Ristolainen. Okay, looks like they're going <laughs> to trade D'Angelo. Gone. Sean Walker's the guy they brought in. Cam York's obviously going to re-sign as an RFA, only 22 years old. So they're going to need to fill some spots. And uh, there's not a lot in the minors right now that they could bring up and, and toss out there. I mean, very few names that, that you want to have is like guys that are actually in your lineup, unless you're really trying to get the number one pick, which, hey, maybe they are. I mean, it <laughs> seems like they are trying to make some moves. So I'm going to say Gustafson goes back to Philly where he's been before.
1: Yeah, it's a, he's he's an interesting guy. It seems like he, he was kind of a – well, remember when he had that 60-point season or something like that in Chicago – Um, and then all of a sudden kind of dropped off and became kind of the Justin Hall of Chicago. Uh, It was very, very, uh, the fans didn't seem to like him. Um, you know, I, I think this is the time I'm just going to guess too. I'm going to say Anaheim signs him. I I don't know what the reason for it, but again, they need to spend money. Um, young blue line. I think that could be a good veteran presence there. Um, so yeah, I'll say Anaheim.
0: Uh, next up is a former Flyer defenseman. Uh, speaking of the Flyers from earlier, uh, Shane Goss' bear, finished here in Carolina last year, 30 years old. A um, little bit rejuvenated after uh, after some, some rough times in Philly. Uh, obviously getting to go to Carolina last year. He had 31 points in 52 games in Arizona last year, 51 points a year before that. Uh, and obviously at his peak had 65 points, 2017, 18. So, um, I'm going to say that he goes to a contender, but I'm going to say he goes to the Florida Panthers, uh, a team that has a lot of cap space, relatively speaking, 10.2 mil in cap space, uh, left side defense right now. It Forsling, And, uh, that's about it essentially for, <laughs> for good. I mean, Mark stalls 36 and he's a free agent. So who knows what happens with him, but, uh, I think Bear could be an interesting fit next to like Montour on the second pair for Florida. So I'm going to say that Bear uh, goes to Florida.
1: I'm going to say Gossespierre goes back to Arizona. I think he really seemed, he, that's where he rejuvenated his career. Uh, and they need, they need defensemen. They need money I they need to spend money. And I think he really liked, he really liked playing in Arizona. So I, I'm going to
0: say he goes back there. I can see that one for sure. Uh, next up, Scott Mayfield, New York Islanders. Doesn't look like he's re-signing in New York. Uh, Thirty years old, big right-handed defenseman. Could be a good fit for a lot of teams, but I'm going to say a team that has 39 million dollars in cap space right now, the Anaheim Ducks. I'm going to say that they bring in. Uh, I'm going to say they bring in Mayfield right now on on the defense for them. True right-handed guys. It's pretty much Drysdale and uh, a free agent. So. I think that could be an interesting fit, uh, and they, they have like nothing on on the back end right now. It they have eight point one million dollars set in stone for their blue line next year, and that's Cam Fowler at six point five, Jackson Lacombe entry level nine hundred twenty five k, and Colton White seven hundred sixty two thousand. So, I think they're going to sign multiple defensemen, and uh, I think Scott Mayfield is one of them for Anaheim.
1: I'm going to go to the other Carol, uh, California team. And that's, uh, the San Jose sharks, I think Mayfield goes there. I think he would really be good. Um, you know, playing the top four again, I don't know. It depends on what Mayfield wants. Does he want to play for a contending team now, or does he want to, you know, still be part of a type of rebuild ish cause he's 30 years old. So, um, who knows what he wants to do? I think, uh, like, even if he goes to Anaheim, that's another rebuilding team. So I, It'll be interesting to see where he goes, but I would sounds like it could be a good fit for
0: him. Yeah. Um, next up is Luke Shin, Toronto, 33 years old, solid veteran defenseman. I don't really have a clue on this one either. I always thought maybe he goes back to Toronto, but I'm going to say no to that, and I'm going to say that he ends up in St. Louis. I don't think the Blues are going to be very active in free agency. I don't think they're in a position to do that, uh, but I do think that they will trade at least one defenseman, whether it, it's, it it could still end up being Tori Krug, it could be Marco Scandella, it could there's I don't think that the chances of them trading Falk Pareko or Letty are very likely, but Shin obviously his brothers on the team so there's a connection there. Uh, I think he's a good right-handed defenseman in terms of what the Blues are looking for. I think he's like a he plays like a similar role to Bortuzzo, but he's better um so i think you just stick shin on the third pair i don't think you have to pay him too much depending on what his market looks like but i think the blues are going to do anything they're going to sign a cheap defenseman to just throw out there because they're going to trade at least one or two of them so i'm going to say luke shin to st louis
1: yeah i i want to say that the, he's coming back to vancouver and i'll stick with that i i think shin is uh, he's either going to go back to toronto or to vancouver i don't know if he's going to want to go somewhere else um I'm pretty sure he still lives, has a house in Vancouver. I, I'm not, so I, I think the Canucks. If the Canucks make an offer to him, I think he accepts it and he comes back. Um, I don't know what type of money. Um, I wouldn't pay him over like two million, but uh, I think the Canucks are definitely going to be a team that'll put their bid in and see if he wants to come back.
0: Uh, the final defenseman in the class is one that I almost forgot to write uh that's matt dumba minnesota still young 28 years old uh an interesting case you look at kind of how it's gone for him in minnesota it's been kind of weird the last few years uh obviously wore an a on the jersey for quite some time being drafted by the wild he's been there for a long time uh but his play has trailed off quite a bit Mm -hmm. in recent years and i think a team that could benefit from bringing him in and throwing him somewhere within their top six, uh, especially a team that's not going to re-sign Eric Johnson. That's the Colorado Avalanche. So I'm going to say that hmm. Dumba ends up in Colorado. They already have McCarr on the right side. They have Manson as well. And then you can put, um, obviously you're going to have Devon Taves, Samuel Gerrard and, uh, Byram on the left side. You add, uh, Dumba to that third bear on the right side. I think that would be a good, at the right price, I think that would make a lot of sense. So I'm going to say Dumba to Colorado.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. I'm going to say the Ottawa Senators. I think, uh, you know, they got Jacob Chickering now, uh, Thomas Shabbat. There's your top two defensemen. I think Dumba would really fit into a top four role there. Um, Veteran presence, again, on a young team and uh, he won't be expected to be that top end guy that he was in minnesota he'll be good good complimentary, just like in colorado i guess same thing um and who knows he may be able to reignite some offense uh, that he was showing he was showing earlier on in his career but um injuries seem to have come you know been in, in a problem for him so i'm gonna say ottawa could potentially be a good a good place for him to go
0: all right the uh, the goaltender class Pretty boring class, if we're being honest. Um, I'm going to try to get this, through this quickly. I'm just going to say the first four guys I wrote on here, which is Jonas Corposalo of the Kings, Tristan Jari of the Penguins, Martin Jones of the Kraken, and Anti Ranta of the Hurricanes. I'm going to say all four of those guys resign where they are currently. So I don't really have much to say on those guys. Uh, I don't know where you have them going, but I'll throw it over to you for that. <laughs>
1: I, I I mean, it's such a weak class. I, I'm not even really sure what teams would really be interested. I, again, the, I mean, Tristan Jari may go somewhere else, but I think Pittsburgh re-signs him and then has uh, another guy as a starter and he's the backup. Um, I think they're going fi- to figure out a way to get – I mean, D- Dubas seems to be able to – there's that rumor that he's trying to get Matt Murray back. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I, Matt Murray returned to Pittsburgh, I mean – knows that would be I, funny. I think ranta does go back to carolina i think he was really good he's a really good fit whoever the starter is and Corpusalo seemed to be really good in la so i think they'll figure it out too so i agree i think all of them are going to be back to what ways where they are
0: and then you have aiden hill who looks like he's going to resign in vegas had a big run there i think uh elliot friedman reported that earlier today on sunday uh, i think the number was what 4.9 mil two years hmm range so not a surprise there and then the only one that i have on here this class is like incredibly weak that i'm even adding this guy's name with the way the last year's gone for him but obviously cam talbot traded from minnesota to ottawa he's not re-signing in ottawa that's already been confirmed welcome to vancouver uh cam talbot i don't know i mean i I just think that again who's going to be your backup next year is it going to be one guy one of the guys from the minors spencer martin one of those guys, I mean, Talbot, 35 years old, throw my Dimco. see what happens. I don't know. I just, this goaltending class is, is really, <laughs> really, really hard to, to look at.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the Canucks are going to, I mean, I don't know what their plans are for the backup position. I know Archer Seelovs, there have been talked that he could potentially come up and, and be there, but I think that's not the right move. I think he's, he should be playing full, you know, full starting duty down in, the, down in Abbotsford. So, Talbot would definitely be a good a good guy to be behind Demko. He wouldn't have to play a lot um, and then uh, and be really good when he does come in. So, yeah, I I, I think that would be a good fit. He wouldn't have to be paid a lot, I don't think, especially what happened last season with him.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I mean, the goaltending glass, yeah. I mean, there's really no Maybe. intrigue. <laughs> he could
1: go yeah. after him as a backup, I
0: guess. There's really no intrigue with this goaltending glass. I think the real intrigue is if Jari leaves Pittsburgh or not. Other than that. Nothing really there. Uh, the goaltending thing might be on the trade market where we see some movement. Yeah. And uh, that's where we go now. We go to the trade market. Uh wrote down a few trade candidates and possible destinations as well. Not a lot known for some of these guys, but the first one here is a goaltender. It's Connor Hellebuck. It seems like Winnipeg's finally deciding to, to blow it up. And uh, I think it's time. Had a, had a They were sort of in the series with Vegas. I mean, they were sort of mm-hmm. in it. Not really, but sort of. Um, Hellebuck, obviously one of the better goaltenders in the league, no doubt. Uh, I think the price that they could get for him is pretty substantial. I would think that any team that trades for him would probably surrender at least a first-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, like, I think you need to extend him, though, too, mm-hmm. to make that happen. He's got one year, 6.1 mil, pretty affordable for a guy that is as good as him. Uh, had a phenomenal regular season last year, and I'm not going to blame him for having an 8.86 save percentage against Vegas. <laughs> I'm not going to blame him for that, especially with Winnipeg in front of him. Really not that great. Uh, but Hellebuck, possible destinations here. I think uh, LA could look into it if they don't re-sign. Uh, Allo, uh New Jersey. New Jersey was a bit of a disaster in net in the playoffs after the. You know, Akira Schmid kind of slowed down a little bit, and Vanecek struggled, so that's an option. Uh, Ottawa's another one, I think. Um, Toronto is always it feels like if there's a big goaltender out there, Toronto is always going to be in the mix. Uh, Carolina, if they don't bring back Ranta, because they do have uh, uh, Piotor or Pitor or whatever his name is. Uh, Pittsburgh, they don't resign Jari. And then Vegas, which I think you can kind of cross them out, um, even though Vegas does the shocking things all the time. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about Hellebuck this summer? And do you think he's traded?
1: I think it's it's definitely trending that way. I think he will be traded. Um, there's so many teams that are going to throw their hat in the ring in this one because he's a legitimate starting goaltender. He's an elite starter. He's probably one of the top five goalies in the league right now. And uh, not far removed from Vesna Trophy, win and finalist all that and uh he's a workhorse he, he he can play a ton of games even though he shouldn't be um so i mean any team that needs a starting goaltender will go after them. And all those teams are definitely have issues with goaltending um so i mean i think of those teams i think ottawa makes the most sense to me as a team going after him um de could be involved in that trade who knows i mean uh you know, Hellebuck, I think, is going to command a lot to come back for him, either be a roster player, first-round pick, uh, prospects, you name it. But I think Ottawa could make the most – Make I don't know if the most sense, but to me, I, I'm going to pick them because it seems like their goaltending is up in the air, and you don't really know what they have, and Hellebuck
0: would definitely solidify it. Yeah, I think from an assets perspective, it might not make a lot of sense for New Jersey, which is where I think he ends up. Because I think that they they don't have a first in this year's draft. They gave that to uh, to San Jose mm. for the uh, for the Timo Meyer deal. But they do have their first in the next two years. Uh, they do have a second this year and a third this year. They do have a pretty deep prospect pool still uh, that they could that they could go into to make a move. Uh, but I think if you're if if you're New Jersey, you have to figure out the goaltending thing. They have Vanecek two years, three point four. Probably your backup. I don't think that you can go into the season thinking that that Vanacek is your starter if you're New Jersey. Uh, Akira Schmidt, nice story. It's probably not going to pan out in New Jersey for him. And Blackwood's an RFA, but Blackwood's really, really uh, fallen off, mm. no doubt. Um, so I'm going to say New Jersey gets him, and I think the price is going to be a little bit more prospect-heavy than it would in other places and yeah. New Jersey drafting the top ten for as many years as they have will pay off here, um, but they're an interesting team because they have a lot of cap space. They do have to resign Timo Meyer, but they have a lot of cap space. Yeah, they'll be interesting for sure. Uh, next up is another Winnipeg guy that is uh, Mark Scheifele, who I I'm very surprised that Scheifele and Wheeler have been on the the Jets like are still played last season there i wouldn't have thought that both of yeah. those guys would so there's been a lot of drama like the last three off seasons with those guys uh in winnipeg so i definitely think shifley has moved this uh this offseason i think your backup move if you're detroit should be shifley uh if you can't get to bring it bring in shifley you got 30 million in cap space shifley's contract right now has uh One year left at 6.125 mil, it's one of the better contracts in the league from a value perspective. The guy that had uh, 60 points in 2018, 84 points in 19, 73 points in 20, 63 points in 21, 70 points in 22, 68 points in 23, including 42 goals last year. So this guy I think could be a fantastic fit for anybody that wants him, and I'm going to say Detroit makes a lot of sense here.
1: Yeah, I mean, anyone that needs a top, I mean, it's kind of unfathomable
0: that the Winnipeg Jets are going to trade this guy.
1: Uh, yeah. He's he's been their cornerstone for so many years, and uh, it's just it's unfortunate that he has to be traded because it seems like that's what's going to happen. I mm-hmm. think he's going he's definitely going to be out of Winnipeg. It's just a matter of where he goes, and I I don't know what type of team. I mean, I'd say I mean Detroit makes sense um anyone that really needs a legit top line center um off the top I, I think Washington makes this in some sense um going after him because of the fact that they're you know because Kuznetsov's going to be gone um you're looking at a aging Nick Backstrom who's seems to be a bit of an injury prone guy now uh, and Shifley and and they're still in that window of being potentially still a playoff team, even though they missed the playoffs this past season. I think they're still kind of in a window and, and Shifley cut could make sense in Washington. I don't know again, assets have uh, to go back because they don't really have a ton of them, but uh, yeah, I'm going to say Washington makes a bit of sense.
0: Uh, next up is Alex DeBrinkett Who was traded last year from Chicago to Ottawa on draft day. I believe it was what the seventh overall pick going in that deal to Chicago. Um, Looks like he's going to be traded again for sure. It seems like that's definitely the deal. Ottawa not going to be able to re-sign him. Uh, I think Detroit makes the most sense here. However, if Detroit ends up going and getting Shifley, I think it opens up the DeBrincat thing for a couple of other teams. And I think, I think if you're if you're, uh, I wonder if Pittsburgh looks into this. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of cap space. You know, you don't if you don't give Gensel an extension. I mean, that could be a guy that you could throw in there, and I do wonder, like, how interested the Blues would be in DeBrinket because their primary needs really a middle six center. But it seems like with recent rumors that maybe they are going to end up playing Pavel Buchnevich at center next year, which they tried last year and it was kind of an inconclusive
1: mm-hmm.
0: research experiment for him at center. Uh, so I do wonder, like, DeBrinket is within the window of players that they want to bring in in terms of age. He's, uh, he's, what, 20, 25 years old, so he's still very young. The extension is going to be a lot. I don't know what kind of pick Audible would want in this year's draft because I would assume a first this year would have to be somewhere in the mix if you have, obviously, you have to have an extension in place because he is an RFA. But I do think the price for it in a trade this time around is going to be lower than we think, and I definitely think it gets done. I would be surprised if it's not like Detroit or Pittsburgh or even Washington, like you said, for Shifley. Maybe they bring him in, kind of change Mm -hmm. things up because a lot of Washington's wingers right now are really old, underperforming, really everybody outside of Ovechkin. So uh, I think the Brinkett thing is going to be one of the more interesting stories throughout the entire week. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mentioned – I can't remember where I mentioned this, but uh, the Brinkett being a guy that why wouldn't – I mean – to go back to Chicago I mean you, you could play potentially with Connor Bedard uh, I I don't know if he's on their list of on his list of preferred destinations or whatever I uh, but it seemed like he liked playing in Chicago I uh, and now that they've got a, another superstar to play with I and mean, he played ridiculously well with Patrick Kane I mean I mm-hmm. don't think and Bedard's a pretty similar type player I don't know I, I think Chicago would make sense as a team that maybe potentially try to get him back I don't know if you'll want to to go but um again you'd have to have that extension in place and that's a big thing
0: right yeah it's and, gonna be a big number yeah
1: so I I'll say Chicago makes again makes sense to go back because like I say it's not like I mean they could potentially close that window a bit. um and maybe, maybe Chicago is better than everyone thinks in the
0: next couple of years. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, but I've I've been dreaming for quite some time of Robert Thomas and Alex to bring it together. So <laughs> it would be nice if it would happen, but I guess I'll have to live with uh, with Kevin Hayes and and Brandon Saad on a line, I don't even know, whatever. <laughs> um, but to bring it, yeah, he's definitely going to be traded. I think that that's the one I feel the most comfortable in saying out of anybody on this list that he's going to be traded, essentially because of reporting the entire time from Ottawa from Ottawa writers and reporters has been, yeah, he's going to get traded. So yeah, uh, the rare getting traded on draft week for two, second year in a row and still being a very, very good player, very rare. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Washington Capitals, like I said earlier in the program, he has a tough contract for any team that wants to uh, to bring him in. I would assume that if Washington wants to get anything for him, anything of value, that they're going to need to retain some salary. He's still a pretty good player. Like he had 78 points in 79 games in 2021-22. Like those are good numbers. This year was tough. It was tough for everybody in Washington. I think you give them the benefit of the doubt in some regards there. Uh, So I think he's a valuable player, but the contract, two years left, 7.8 mil, 31 years old, coming off of a tough season. He's got a 10-team no-trade list uh, right now. So I I do think that there's a chance he's traded, but I wonder how many suitors there would be given the contract. But like I said earlier, NHL GMs could certainly talk themselves into thinking that he's still the player that he once was.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kuznetsov is
0: a – yeah, that
1: contract is going to be really tough. Um, I think they definitely have to retain some salary when they do trade them. Uh, again, centermen at teams that need centers. And, uh, I don't know why I think this, I think he's a guy that could potentially go to Winnipeg, um, because Winnipeg is a team. Again, they have to trade some guys and who knows, it could be a Kuznetsov-Shifley swap. And, uh, those one, one, one to one trades don't happen very often, but. I could potentially be part of those, you know, put them to each place, and there you go. So I, I, I'll say that happens, and and we'll see. It'd be
0: fun if that uh, that would be the thing Shifley for Kuznetsov. Yeah, um, one of the bigger defenseman names on the board in free agency or trades, and probably the biggest is Eric Carlson, who seems like he wants out. I mean, I would want out if I were him. His contract is is a lot. Uh, 11.5 mil for, what, four more years? Uh, So that's tough. But like I said, guy had 76 assists last season and 25 goals as a defenseman playing for a San Jose team that was bad enough to get the fourth overall pick. So (laughs) there's got to be some kind of a market for him. And I know it's tough because he takes up 13.8% of San Jose's cap and it's four more years and he's 33. But – at this point he also has a no move clause by the way uh there's got to be a market for a guy that had 101 points last season i feel like we would almost be going too far into the new age nhl financially and stuff if this guy doesn't have a market of some sort i just don't know who would do it i, I does edmonton revisit that it's like you got to do a lot with the cap to make that work they have 5 million cap space right now and it feels like matthias sackholm was a great fit there last year and he's got 6 mil a year plus they're playing. I mean, they overpaid Darnell Nurse, who's a fine player, but like yeah. you give Darnell nurse nine point two five and a no move, that's really tough. And and obviously Cody CC three point two five. You're gonna have to do a lot to make that work with the cap, but I don't know if there's really anybody else that would do this and have Carlson wave the clause to go yeah. to.
1: Yeah, that that's the one team that there were so many rumors about it at the trade deadline and that could potentially be a thing. So I think they definitely revisit it and see if they could figure something out. But that's gonna be it's gonna be tough to what you know to trade this guy. I mean, his yeah. contract still has a ton of years left. Money's ridiculous. You don't know if he's gonna be that type of defenseman next season, even though it looked like he was fine throughout the whole season. But you never know what could happen with him. I mean, his injuries. In the past or a problem could that rear your head again and all of a sudden you're stuck with four years left or something like that so i mean it's tough for a team getting this guy for what san jose would probably want for him um because you're looking at the year that he just had and and why not i mean san jose is going to look at that and say well we want a first round pick we want a top end prospect for this guy and i don't know if i would take the risk if i was a team even edmonton even though they need um defenseman. I don't know if they need a defenseman like him though. I think they need more, more defensively oriented type guys, not Carlson.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he actually does get moved. That's gonna be a tough one. Uh, another defenseman potentially on the market is uh Noah Hannifin of the Calgary Flames. He's got one year left on his deal, 4.95 mil, still young. He has a uh an eight-team no trade list, he's 26 years old. Could be of great value, I think, to a contender. Had a solid solid last couple of years, 48 points, 10 goals two years ago, uh, and has 27 playoff games under his belt. Uh, I do think Toronto's in the mix for this one. um, If they don't do the idea that we had earlier with Graves possibly going to the Leafs, I think Toronto could be in the mix for Hannafin. I know there's been some rumors about Hannafin and the Blues. I would like to say that that just doesn't really make any sense, but whatever, um, if people want to think that that's going to happen I highly doubt it but uh Hannafin uh, potentially a big name on the move one of the better left-handed defensemen available uh whether it's free agency or trades this summer
1: yeah I I think if those rumors are true that he doesn't want to play for a Canadian team uh he wants to go to the states I mean all those Canadian teams are off the board but yeah uh, like we don't know his trade list it's a pretty big trade list uh to be able to go to so i think um i think he does go to an american team i think the islanders make some sense here again they need they need to replace some defensemen uh he could i think fit in in new york um even yeah i i'll say the islanders could potentially make a pitch for him and then if if those rumors that i mean i think edmonton definitely is another team um he could be fit in edmonton too
0: yeah the thing i mean yeah, I do wonder if he has all the Canadian teams on that no-trade no list. I mean, he definitely could. I mean, he certainly has, like, nobody wants to play in Winnipeg, so they're on there for sure. Uh, <laughs> Ottawa probably on there as well. So, yeah, who knows? It's just speculation, though. <laughs> um, next up is another one that's been talked about for a few years now, and I always thought Toronto would be in the mix here if John Gibson ever got traded. Um, and I feel like if you're Anaheim, you're rebuilding anyway, why hold on to a 29-year-old goaltender who at times has been one of the best goaltenders in the league? I mean, the guy deserves a change of scenery at this point, right? I mean, he's, he played for a team in the NIM Ducks last season that just did not try. Yeah. They, they just didn't, <laughs> and they got the number two pick, but they didn't try, and their defense is horrible. So at some point, you got to do the guy a favor and get him out of there. Uh, and I think Pittsburgh is a team that could be very in on this if they don't re-sign Jari because obviously you make the connection, oh, John Gibson's birthplace, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So <laughs> there's a connection there. And he's got a no-trade clause, but it's modified. It's uh, 10 teams. So I think if Gibson is traded, I think Pittsburgh could very much be in the mix.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, Pittsburgh's a definite fit. I, I think another team is – you know they trade hellebuck Winnipeg's going to need some goaltending yep. and I mean I don't know if Gibson wants to go to another team that he's going to be peppered with shots like crazy again um because that's what he happens <laughs> in Anaheim all the time uh, but again we don't know what Winnipeg's gonna look like it seems like they're they're potentially changing their whole team so um if that happens I think Gibson's on their radar because they're going to have to replace him with the starter I mean who else are they going to have they don't have one right now um to, to come in and be Hellebuck, even anything close to him. I mean, I don't think there's going to be able to have anyone like that. I think Gibson's probably the closest that mm-hmm. you could get there. So I'm going to say Winnipeg makes a pitch, especially if Hellebuck is gone.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that Winnipeg is probably on his no-trade list. But Yeah, know, probably. That's true. <laughs> I feel like every no-trade list in the league probably has Winnipeg on there. No offense to the people at Winnipeg. It's just uh, – doesn't seem like a very desirable destination from a Canadian perspective, especially in the winter. So, especially
1: coming from Anaheim. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, probably very true.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and you're going to Winnipeg better defensively for sure, because it's impossible not to be better than Anaheim defensively, but not much better. So that yeah. would be interesting as well. Uh, looking into some of the trades that have already happened this year, um, obviously. We had one, I what was that, yesterday, two days ago? I don't even know. I think it was – well, it might have been two days ago. Whatever. I don't remember either way. Uh, the Avalanche acquired Ryan Johansson, uh, 4 mil for both teams over the next uh, couple of years. He had the $8 million contract. Nashville's probably been trying to move that forever. And the Avalanche, uh, kind of a buy low situation. They get him from the Predators uh, in exchange for the rights to Alex Galchenyuk, which – in parentheses, I put the uh, the phrase LOL because <laughs> this guy's been traded a billion times and uh, once thought of as, man, this guy's legit, real deal. Hasn't gone that way. And I think if you're the avalanche, just as smart, you buy low, you bring in Johansson, who I think will be very productive in yeah. Colorado. I think that that's a really good fit for him. Um, and you obviously look at the numbers in the past. The contract that he got was always like, okay, that's probably a bit much, but uh, Production-wise, he had 63 points two seasons ago. He had a 64-point season, a 71-point season when he was in Columbus. But I think this is a smart move for both teams, especially Colorado buying low.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche have needed a second-line center since Nazem Kadri left. Yep. And uh, he's uh, – Johansson is. I mean, he is a second-line center. And uh, and the fact that he's not only getting paid $4 million, that's his price point. That price point's pretty good for what production he would bring and it, and on a team that has a lot of skill and he'll be on the power play probably with Landis God i not landis because he's not playing next season but um you know McKinnon and McCar and those types of players I think Johansson does play on would play on the on the first unit power play and uh I mean on a team like the Avalanche who they play a lot of uh, a lot of speed a lot of rush type type team I think Johansson would fit in really well there And this trade was really good, like you said about the the buy, you know, buying low, and uh, getting a pretty good uh, second line center, um, especially after all the troubles they had trying to fill that role last season.
0: Yeah, Um, the next couple of trades here, the Columbus Blue Jackets really trying to revamp their uh, defensive unit. Uh, They bring in Damon Severson, Severson, I think it's Severson, nailed it uh, from the Devils. The rights to him uh, for the 80th overall pick in this year's draft, uh, and then the Columbus re-signed him eight years, six point two five mil, which is eight years, six point two five, eight years, five six point five mil is the most popular contract in the NHL. Okay. Sanheim has it. Uh, Severson now has it, and like every Blues defenseman has it. So, very popular contract to sign. Uh, and then the Blue Jackets also acquired uh, Ivan Provorov in a three-team deal with the Kings and the Flyers. The Kings got Kevin Connaughton and Hayden Hodgson. The Flyers got Cal Peterson, Sean Walker. Not going to pronounce uh, Granz's, Granz's name, but I remember a prospect that I liked a lot in the second round a couple years ago One wanted the Blues to take him. They didn't. I already got traded. That kind of stinks for him. Uh, 2024 second-round pick from L.A., the 22nd overall pick, and a conditional 2024 second-round pick. Uh The first one, Severson, smart for both sides. I think New Jersey was not going to re-sign him. They didn't want to pay him 6.25 for the next eight years, despite how much cap space they have. They do have Timo Meyer to re-sign, and I'm sure they want to do a couple of other things. And they already paid Dougie Hamilton a ton of money. So I think that makes sense for New Jersey to get something out of Severson and Columbus revamping their blue line that before bringing these two in had – uh Erica Branson at four mil for three more years, Andrew Peak for three more years and Boakfist for three more years or for two more years. Um, So I think adding Provarov and Severson are interesting deals. And I think for the flyers in that Provarov deal, like they did really well with what they got uh, really, really well. So um, I think a win for Columbus in terms of the direction they're trying to go in and a win for Philly for, for getting as much as they did
1: yeah the Blue Jackets seem to be reshaping their blue line and uh you know they already have Lorensky, who's still their top defenseman um you know those injuries just just decimated their whole team last season so I mean you're you're uh you're looking at two legitimate top four defensemen you're getting they didn't have to give up a ton to get these guys um especially Searson was going to be a free agent so you're just getting the right so you weren't going to have to give up a ton anyway um and that contract I mean it's long but if Severson can can play at a pretty high level for most of it Columbus is pretty good and he's going to be around with all those young young talent that they got coming up as well um Provrov, I mean all those things in Philly he's probably gone anyway and Columbus I think is a good good team for him to go to again uh legitimate top four defensemen and um and Philly was seems like they're trying to get rid of guys now and they got some pretty good prospect prospecting grons. i i really like him too uh he's been on my list for the canucks to grab um in trades and the next guy that we're going to talk about next is another one um so yeah i i think both teams did really well um for what they did uh, with these two trades
0: yeah um the coyotes acquired sean Dersey from the los angeles kings for a 2024 second round pick uh, Dersey, you know, played in the playoffs last year for, uh, for LA. The thing with LA, I think is that they have so much money invested in their top four, um, where it's, you know, Drew Doughty, 11 mil, uh, Gavrikov 5.875 Michael, uh, Mike, it says Michael Anderson, but I think everybody calls him Mikey Anderson, uh, at 4.125 and then Matt Roy at 3.1. So that's a lot. And if you're Arizona, you capitalize, bringing kind of a, a guy in, in Dersey who maybe not the greatest five-on-five, five, but provides a lot in other areas, and he's only 24. And if you look at Arizona's defense right now, it, it's kind of shocking to look at, the state of it, and and the fact that their highest-paid defenseman is now Dersey at 1.7 mil. Like <laughs> we've alluded to numerous times in this, they're going to have to spend some money, and they're going to have to add some defensemen. But I think Dersey's a good start. For Arizona,
1: yeah, and like I said, I earlier I think I la- I've loved Jersey. I I've wanted the Canucks to grab him. And the fact that he just went for a second round pick, unless the Canucks don't have a twenty twenty four second rounder either, so they couldn't have been in there. um I don't know if they were even interested, but I, I really liked Jersey in the past. And Coyotes getting him, and again, young guy could be part of that core, um whatever core they're going to create. On defense, I think it's probably going to come around like a guy like David Reinbacher in the draft, um, or someone like that. I think I think Arizona's going to pick a defenseman um, coming up here. So that core, I think Jersey could fit in uh, as being part of it, even though it's not the very big right now.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and also a trade. The, the I mean, there's been some trades that have been like, okay, we're getting close here. It's almost done. And still hasn't happened in the last two days. One of them is uh, it looks like L.A. is on the verge or close or whatever to Pierre-Luc Dubois from Winnipeg, who is going to be traded. It's probably going to end up being L.A. It's just taking a little bit of time. I believe there, there was a report from The Athletic that they were talking extension with Dubois. So sorry to Montreal fans who I know really wanted him. Um, but 25 years old still a good player maybe a little bit more comes with the personality than you like for a player with his talent but 63 points in 73 games last season had four points in five playoff games he's always been a really solid second third line center second line probably I don't know I guess I guess you'd probably have him second line behind Kopitar in LA I guess Philip Deneau third or you know you could mix and match that but I think it's a, it's a it's a deal that makes sense. I don't know what the return would be for uh, for Winnipeg because they don't have uh, – L.A. traded their first to Philly and they have Pittsburgh's third. They have their own second. Um, so I would assume it would be some sort of mixing of those picks, but uh, it would be an interesting uh, piece to add for L.A
1: yeah i don't know what trade is going to look like there i it seems like it's close so it probably will happen it's just a matter of when um and you know the way that they've got their team right now you know answer is getting up there in age i don't think he's a top line center anymore um he can still be a really good uh in top six guy but uh yeah dubois uh, yeah, I think he, he's going to fit in with the Kings. Uh, again, we'll see what kind of goes the other way. Um, could be some some big pieces prospect wise. Um, I don't know if Quentin Byfield will be involved in that. He's he could be. Who knows?
0: That would be great for Winnipeg.
1: Yeah, and if that happens, I think Winnipeg gets gets a really good piece for the future. And uh, we'll see. That's going to be interesting to see what type of what the trade actually entails.
0: Yeah, and for the last 28 hours, we've been hearing about a big Flyers-Blues trade that's going to go down, big trade, great way to get the offseason started, and everything has completely spiraled out of control with that deal in the last 27 hours since we heard about it. So uh, I, I think, honestly, I don't have any insider info here, but I do think that a trade happens between the two. I think it's going to be a lot more scaled down than we thought. Uh, but I think the end game here is that Kevin Hayes ends up in St. Louis, which just I like <laughs> Kevin Hayes. He's a solid player. It, I think the salary is going to be retained if he does get traded. But it really goes against everything that Doug Armstrong has said about how he wants to build this team this summer and what they might think about themselves. Because I don't really think they're a playoff team next year. But I guess if they want to try to be, that's yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to see. I guess. Um, but I also think that another part of this from St. Louis's perspective is I do think Torrey crew will be traded eventually. Obviously a lot of speculation pretty much confirmed that he's the guy not waiving his no trade clause to be moved to Philly, which I wouldn't either. I mean, it's Philadelphia. They're completely rebuilding at this point. And also Tortorella, if we're being honest. Um, so I, I think, Hey, still ends up in St. Louis. Uh, I think other pieces such as Scott Lawton, I think eventually gets traded by Philly this summer, I think Sanheim. I know Toronto's been mentioned for Sanheim today. Uh, at some point, um, I think the original trade for the Blues was to bring in Sanheim and Hayes, but that seems kind of dead now. And I know there was a few weeks ago where there was Carter Hart talk about a trade. Yeah, which I I'd be very much in between on that decision if I were uh, if I were Breer right now in Philly. I, I mean, he's young. He's very good. How much could you get for him? Like, if you could get multiple picks in the first couple rounds for Carter Hart. I think you have to do that, but he's just so young. And, and I think that you could still make it work somehow. I mean, I could interest them if they want to flip Carter Hart for Jordan Bennington, I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd listen. Certainly. Uh, That would be great. Uh, But I I certainly think that a trade between the two teams will happen. And I do think Philly is going to be very active in how much they're going to trade this summer.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philly's going to be one to watch because Briere seems to have no problem making the trades because he's done one and it was a pretty big one uh, to start his tenure with the uh, <laughs> GM. So uh, he's not afraid of making a big move. So I, and Carter Hart, I, I feel like, yeah, he has to think about it because, you know, it feels like Carter Hart's been around the league for 10 years, but he hasn't been. Uh, he, he's really young still for a goaltender and, you know, a team that gets him could make him, you know turn into an elite type uh Connor Hellebuck type goaltender and then Philly be like well oh, what the heck right and I don't think they're going to get a ton for him because of that uncertainty that you're not sure what you're getting um yeah I think with the Blues and Flyers I think there's going to be a trade like you said I think Kevin Hayes will probably be involved with just too much fire or too much smoke to be no fire there um so I mean it'll just depend on what kind of goes into that trade if it's as big as what was rumored
0: yeah, and the other thing for Philly is that they took the 22nd pick to take on the preposterous Cal Peterson contract, yeah. which is a shocking contract to look at. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Philly does. They're going to be very active. They'll be one of the top teams talked about throughout the week. Um, obviously, they have multiple picks in the first round now with the the L.A. pick that they got. Uh, so it should be a fun week. should be a fun week. Mm. Um, this was – maybe the longest podcast that we've done in the NHL. But uh, I, think, I, think, I think we should reconvene, no doubt, when the free agency starts to cool down a little bit to review it, maybe look mm. back on our picks and such. But uh, I thank you for joining me. You can check your stuff out at Matthews at the Check them out at thehockeyriders.com. Uh, you can check them out with various videos in the Hockey Res YouTube, the podcasting and such. Uh, so I, I thank you for joining me, and I hope we can uh, do this again soon yeah it was fun
1: i know long discussion but we had a lot to talk about so uh thanks for having me again
0: no doubt no doubt